Well, this month, August the 31st, to be exact, will mark 25 years since the death of Diana, the Princess of Wales. It seems remarkable how fast time has gone by. I think like many of us, I remember exactly where I was when I found out about the car crash that she and Dodi Fayette had been involved in in Paris. Um, I was at a softball tournament, a company softball tournament. I was working for the Montreal Gazette at the time. Uh, and we were in Ottawa. I think we were staying in like a, you know, a Days Inn or one of those kind of motels. And I remember coming back to the room and turning on the TV, I think to, probably to watch something else. And there was the uh, announcement that there had been this crash and we didn't know what kind of condition she was in. And, um, you know, it, it took a while to find out, I think several hours to find out that she'd in fact died. And just the the reaction to that was so visceral for so many people. Um, and I think a lot of people remember back to that day, including my next guest, who was only 11 at the time, uh, who's made a new documentary called The Princess about Diana, the Princess of Wales, her life, her death, uh, and many things in between. Uh, now, there's no lack of books, movies, documentaries, and dramas out there to tell what is a very well-known story. Uh, but this one is from a very different perspective. Academy Award nominee Ed Perkins and his team dug through countless hours of archival footage, some of it not much seen. I mean, a lot of it has been seen. It's out there. And then weave together this documentary called The Princess. It features no talking heads, no narrator. It just uses uses these archives to take viewers back in time sort of take us through the wedding, the introduction, everything you remember from Diana, those years, the boys, the birth of the boys. Um, you know, I was there at the same hospital when Kate gave birth, um, the same hospital where where uh, where William and Harry had been born, and just taking us through all that time, why we developed as a society, this fascination, this obsession, if you could call it that, with Diana, and the impact it had on her, watching her marriage fall apart so publicly. And then, you know, the scandals after that, uh, and, and then ultimately uh, her death and the devastation to the mourning that happened, not just in England, but everywhere, many, many places about it. The sense of loss that we felt after watching her life so intently for so long. Here's a preview of The Princess. Could I ask you first, Your Royal Highness, what was your instant impression? Well, I remember thinking what a very jolly and amusing and, and attractive 16-year-old she was. I don't know what you thought of me. But... Pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet, kind. The princess has been the best thing to happen to the monarchy in centuries. Did you get a chance to see her? Yes! yes! Diana is very big news everywhere. She's got the common touch. The prince realizes that he's taking second place. By the way. <laughs> a hollow and tormented marriage are giving the British media and its public little else to talk about. Please give me one question, right? She's been pushed from the word go. It's the media that's causing the problems. Leave them alone. Lady Diana. She's been through the worst that can be thrown at her. I think we've got an unhealthy obsession. I think she's very close to being a monster. She has a sick mind. She likes to be with people. She likes to be bloody she well watched. That's ridiculous. She has been humiliated. When you put a modern person in an ancient institution, they will be destroyed. And joining me now is Academy Award nominee and director of The Princess, of which you just heard the trailer, Ed Perkins. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for having me. Really excited to chat. 
You know, thinking back to um, to where we all were when we heard that she had died, and I think it's one of those moments that you've talked about in the past that that we all know where we were. Most of us know where we were. I was at a softball tournament in Ottawa, of all places, and I realized that part of the inspiration for this film was really looking back at how you felt as a younger as a younger man, as an eleven year old, back when that happened. Uh, what sort of inspiration did you derive just from your own experience with Diana's life and and death to make this movie? Yeah, I mean, I was 11 when she died, and 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 so I didn't kind of grow up with her in that sense. Um, I, I was probably too young to 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 really remember most of her life, but I I do feel as though that moment when she died and the way I found out has kind of seared itself into my consciousness in some way. And 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 the only other moment I can think of in my life that's had a sort of similar impact was 9/11, where, I, where it just felt like the world kind of just stopped on its axis and. And and Diana's death was that, at least it was for me, and it was, I think, for millions of people around the world. Um, my memory was that I was 11 and my mum rushed into my bedroom and woke me up really early in the morning and was crying and was very, very emotional. And then we kind of, as a family, gathered around a little TV in my parents' room and just spent the next few hours just watching this kind of rolling news coverage. And And I then remember vividly spending most of the next week in the lead up to the funeral, watching that remarkable footage of hundreds of thousands of people take to the streets of London and cities all around the world. And this sort of extraordinary, I think probably unprecedented outpouring of collective grief. And people were, at least in my memory, were emoting in a way that almost as though they'd lost their own mother or daughter or, or, or family member. And yet for most people, um, you know, most of us had never met Diana in, in person, and we only knew Diana through through the media, through your archive. And so I think as an 11-year-old, my overriding emotion wasn't necessarily sadness. I was obviously sad that someone famous had died. It's a tragedy. But I was confused, I think, for want of a better word. I was I was left confused as to why people were reacting in the way they were. And it kind of just, it stayed with me. And I've always, for many, many years, felt like, it it would be interesting and hopefully worthwhile to re-explore this story, not with an attempt to try to kind of get inside Diana's head and try and understand how she was feeling or what motivated her decisions, because as interesting as that is, it's inevitably speculative. But but the the you know the, the more interesting thing for me is 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 what does Diana's story say about all of us? And and, and that was really the starting point for me emotionally. Could we make a film that slowly and, and in a complex, nuanced way, try to unpack some of the myriad reasons why we had, and millions of people around the world, had such a bond with Diana um, throughout her life and obviously in the aftermath of her death. It's interesting because I was about the same age when John Lennon died and felt uh, not that the, re the outpouring was different but still very public and very memorable about, uh, and at that age, trying to comprehend why this person mattered so much to so many without really understanding the whole story. You know, you'd heard him. Yeah, um, yeah. That's exactly it. And, 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 and confusion, I think, does, does probably stay with you as a young child because it was such a, you know, when I, went, when I started making this film, I spent a lot of time obviously looking back through the archive of her entire life, but a considerable amount of that is that final week of of her story i guess you know that after her death and before her funeral that that week there and the footage is extraordinary and sort of unbelievable um you know these shrines were being built all over london um all over the streets and and the sort of 
sounds like a cliche, but this very kind of un-British outpouring of, of very public grief. And I'm not, I don't come at this cynically. I don't, I don't think people were pretending to be emotional. People seemingly were emotional. It seemed to catch so many people off guard. And um, yeah, our whole approach here that I'm sure we'll discuss is, is about trying to, to better understand from an emotional point of view, as much as an intellectual point of view, what might have been happening then. The idea that you set off to examine, not in a historical way, not sort of in a you know history channel type way, but yeah. something far more immediate, why there was this obsession with her. And I think in some senses, there was a sense of guilt too amongst a lot of us around the world that we had somehow made this happen to some extent, you know, that there, we were both mourning and also complicit in something that had happened to her, uh, which is a really interesting way, I think, of looking at. at so you've gone back and there's no interviews. Uh, there's no talking heads. This is yeah. archival. And that was obviously a, a decision you, you made consciously. What was the, the motivation to, to that approach? Well, I mean, the short, the very short answer is that the archive is the medium through which we got to know Diana, and and therefore one could argue consumed her and her story through archive. The the, the longer answer is that, um, you know, traditionally you, you would make and documentaries have been made about Diana, where you go and shoot retrospective present tense interviews with people who knew Diana, and they tell you about what happened and why Diana was you know what she might have been feeling or why she reacted in a certain way you know that's all interesting but as i said earlier it inevitably does involve a degree of speculation and and the more interesting thing for me is what does her story say about all of us and so the the whole archive approach is is in a sense trying to allow us to turn this camera back onto all of us and 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 i hope if the film works in any way it is to to hold a mirror up to us and to force us to ask ourselves difficult questions about yes our relationship to diana but more broadly our relationship to uh the monarchy uh perhaps more broadly still to celebrity which is obviously a relationship that continues to evolve and I think, as you said, so, so, so um, insightfully, like the key for me is actually about our involvement in this story, because my take on this is that the Diana story wasn't something that just passively happened in front of us. You know, it, it was a story that I think many people were active participants in. And, and therefore, while the film is not about assigning blame in any way, it is about trying to explore our complicity. You know, the extent to which we were involved in how this story played out, the way in which we projected onto Diana so many of our own hopes and dreams and fears, the way in which we sort of willed this this wedding into being um, and, and bought into the fairy tale myth. And so, you know, my strong take is that, that this whole story tell, says much more about us than it does about anyone else. My guest this half hour is Ed Perkins. He's director of The Princess, a new documentary about Princess Di, released uh, the same month as the 25th anniversary uh, of her death. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more just about the, the archival search, because there is an awful lot of footage of Princess Di out there. And uh, I gather that you and your team went through a lot of it, trying to find the best stuff and came up with some really uh, interesting footage that people really haven't seen before. We'll be back with that. My guest is Ed Perkins. He's director of The Princess, a new movie released on the life of Princess Diana. It is not a historical look back at uh, things we already know. It's not a look inside Princess Di and what she may have been up to with interviews. This is really taking a time machine back through archival footage, reliving the way that we both got to know Diana and also watched her life unfold and, sadly, 
her death as well and our reaction to it. You must have spent an awful lot of time. There is so much footage of her out there. How did you go about finding stuff that was new and different, things that maybe people hadn't seen? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the huge challenges. For 16, 17 years that Diana was you know, on the public stage, she was arguably one of the most famous, uh, uh, certainly famous, but also photographed and filmed people on the planet. And so the amount of archive, the sheer volume of archive that exists on Diana is enormous. Um, I set our archive team off to basically scour the globe to find everything and anything that had ever been filmed of Diana, uh, which is probably in hindsight a slightly naive request because I think close to a thousand hours very quickly came back our way. Um, and the big first job in the edit was to basically watch through as much of this as humanly possible. And I spent the first six or seven or eight months of the edit just kind of painstakingly watching through eight, 10, 12 hours of archive a day unedited um, and trying to find within it things that moved me or that I found interesting. Um, the truth is that this is a story that we already know. There aren't twists and turns and kind of narrative revelations in our film that people won't already know. What we're trying to do is bring the footage together in a new and exciting and, and, and insightful way that offers up a new perspective. Um, and so we were realistic about the fact that we were probably never going to find a sort of secret treasure trove of archive that no one had seen. But I think what I did come to see was that where the film, I think, works or where the footage works is that is on the level of subtext and often on the level of body language and when I was watching through the archive I would often find myself just kind of peering closer and closer to the screen trying to kind of work out what through their body language they might be saying to to me to each other uh to all of us I think I came to see Diana almost like a like a silent movie star from from you know the bygone era where you know she didn't actually speak that much throughout her public life and yet i think she had an instinctive ability to project her own very private story publicly and that was often through body language through the little tilt of a head or the curl of a smile and i just found myself drawn into that quite what some of it means i don't know but i think it's i wanted to try to make a film that because precisely because we don't have headshot interviews telling you how she's feeling or what she's doing, we're giving audience the space uh, to come to their own conclusions and and to draw their own inferences. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was a painstaking, long, uh, but but really exciting and interesting process to kind of whittle a thousand hours of footage down to to the 90 minutes that you that you see in the film. I love that silent movie star analogy because it is so apt thinking back. I mean, perhaps with some hindsight, obviously, but when you look back at the way she was, because you're right, she did say very little as royals are wont to do, right? He, she did say very little. And yet you get the impression that she spent her whole life talking when she really didn't. Right. Um, yeah, the, the, the word you use hindsight is really important because actually we're, we are under no illusions that uh, people you know, I don't think anyone can come to this story fresh. You know, we have all through osmosis, if nothing else, in the last couple of decades, just consumed the analysis and reanalysis of this story. You know, we've all watched The Crown. We've all watched Spencer. We've all read books. We've all heard podcasts about Diana. And so the truth is that we all, I think, bring, whether we like it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, our own emotional baggage to this story. And our position was, well, that's okay. We can't control that. So our hope is that 
the archive only approach sort of acts as a bit like a time capsule. It picks you up, it takes you back into your own, hopefully collective nostalgic past, but also we're not just trying to get you to relive the story. That seems a kind of futile exercise. Our hope is that you can, we're, we're giving you the space to bring your own hindsight to bear on this story and bring things and context and, and, and things we've all learned in the last 25 years and bring that to this story. So in, in doing so, I'm hoping that people will, will, as I say, not just relive it, but also be able to reframe it for themselves and, and in, in, in large part, see it afresh. One thing I found so interesting looking back 25 years now is that at the same time, this movie offers a lot of foreshadowing about what's about to happen with with social media and smartphones. None of those things exist at the then. And you forget sometimes that she lived in an era where media attention was very different from what it is today, that social media didn't wasn't around, that camera phones weren't around. Uh, yes. So at once it's kind of both, a, you know, it's sort of a, a way back machine. At the same time, it does offer so many hints of what about of what is about to happen to all of us. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting point of view. I mean, it does feel like an origin story in some ways for, 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 for yeah, the changing media landscape and, and also for our continuing evolving relationship with people in public life. And I think an origin story for certain more recent events that have happened in the royal family. Um, one of the things I found fascinating looking back at the archive of Diana was that it felt to me that for, the, for, for almost the entirety of her public life, there was this constant conversation happening about her. You know, we really did dissect everything she did, everything she wore, everything she said for, for the better part of two decades. And people had very strong opinions on her, both public, positive and negative. Um, and there was this constant debate or discourse about her that we've tried to kind of bring back to life in some way um, with all these 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 sort of anonymous voices uh, but the truth is that the that just now as now on Twitter and social media people have an anonymous voice and 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 and, and there's a sort of democratization of voices I think you start to see the origins of that back then where everyone's voice mattered everyone felt that they had a stake in the game everyone felt uh, a sort of an ownership, for want of a better word, over Diana or what she came to represent. And um, I think there's a lot to be gained from that. And I think, you know, because of that and and, and many other things, I, I don't think this is a historical documentary. Yes, it's about events that happened 25, 30 years ago, but I really do strongly believe that it actually has, as a story, more to say now than at almost any other point. And, and, and it's because it's because it, it does act as an origin story or it, it does sort of feel strangely prescient of, of, of things that have happened more recently. Well, Ed Perkins, congratulations on all that hard work. It's a wonderful film. And uh, thank you very much for your time tonight. Thank you so much, Ben. I really appreciate it. It's great to talk.